Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. In today's show, we're taking a look at the book One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch. Peter Lynch, if you don't know him, was a mutual fund manager at Fidelity. He was at the helm of the Magellan Fund from 1977 to 1990. And over 13 years, he averaged an annual return for his investors of 29.2%. This number is mind-boggling, and of course, it's a record-setting growth, which makes Magellan the best-performing mutual fund in the world. Peter Lynch has an extremely valuable investment philosophy, which he outlines in his book, Invest in What You Know. The premise is, even though the market is predominantly institutional, Lynch believes the individual investor without any background or education in business has enough knowledge to succeed in the stock market. This is a principle we'll explore in depth in this episode. Stay with me. Hi everybody, I'm your host Wenhan. Welcome to Spare Change, my educational finance related series designed to help you understand how your money works. Each week, the show will explore fundamental concepts in finance or financial literacy, and I'll offer you practical tips to help you manage your wealth. So let's put your spare change to work. Peter Lynch's famous philosophy is invest in what you know. The misconception, however, that derives from this approach among a lot of people is that if they enjoy a company's product or service, so say, I shop here all the time, I love this product, why don't I buy the company's stock now? That's a common mistake. What Lynch is really saying is that if you enjoy a product where you notice the success of a local company, that is a good reason to be interested and to do research on that business. And I'll explain how he recommends that we research a company. But first, once you understand this philosophy, you realize that the individual investor actually has a few advantages over all of these institutional players in the stock market. For example, some mutual funds are at a disadvantage compared to you. They have constraints when it comes to which types of companies they can invest in. Also, typically institutions manage a lot of capital, and size is a big constraint. For example, if you manage a multi-billion dollars fund, it's a lot harder to invest in smaller and sometimes more promising companies because they won't have that same meaningful impact on their portfolios. With that being said, the individual investor still has to capitalize on their advantage, and ultimately it takes some observation skills, research, and patience. But before you start investing, Lynch suggests that you complete a checklist. The first point is, of course, do not invest money that you'll need in the next year. For example, don't invest money that you can't afford to lose, uh, money that you need to pay rent or your mortgage with. And speaking of which, the second point on the checklist is, uh, do you own a house? Because sometimes it makes more sense financially to put money towards your house since it is one of the biggest investments in your life. And the third point on the checklist is, do you have the temperament to invest? Are you willing, are you patient and disciplined enough to conduct independent research? If you satisfy your checklist, here's how Peter Lynch recommends that you do your research. For him, a business tells a story. Everything about the company, its financials, what it does, its competitive edge, what type of company, all of it is part of the story. And afterwards, you should be able to condense your research into a two-minute summary. 
But first, here's a general research process. The first thing he recommends you to do is categorize a business you're looking at. And most business will fit into one or more of six categories. The first one is a slow grower. These are large and aging companies, usually with 5% annual growth or less. IBM today can be considered a slow grower. The second category are the stalwarts. These are also multi-million dollar companies. They're not the fastest growers, but they can bring a consistent return. Coca-Cola or Procter & Gamble are stalwarts. The third category, Lynch's favorites, are the fast growers. These are small, aggressive companies with maybe a 20% annual growth. And the problem is, however, a lot of these are underfinanced and end up in bankruptcy. By the way, I'll come back with a few tips on what to look for in each category afterwards. The next category are cyclicals. Their sales and growth fluctuates in waves. For example, automobiles and airlines are cyclical. Right now, during the pandemic, airlines will suffer, but they will rebound whenever it will be safe to travel again. Turnarounds are companies that are on the edge of bankruptcy, if not in bankruptcy. There are occasional rebounds, for example, if it becomes profitable again, or the company gets a favorable tax break or an injection in cash. These companies can make up a lot of ground if they do turn around. Some people consider Bombardier a turnaround. Finally, the sixth category is the asset play. These are companies that have a valuable asset, a property or a real estate, that usually institutions haven't noticed. You want to separate your companies into categories because you'll analyze them differently and you'll have different expectations from a company like Coca-Cola versus Uber. But Peter Lynch also has some advice as to what kind of characteristics you want to look for in general in a business. A company that does something boring or depressing is a good start. The example he gives is a company that owns funeral parlors. A boring company with great numbers and growth will still often pass under the radar. And speaking of which, you like to see as little institutional ownership in the company as possible. Also, the business should be productive with its money, so it's either raising dividends, developing new products, or even buying back its own shares, albeit at a low price. Of course, there are also companies you want to avoid. Usually, these are the hottest stock in an industry with a lot of coverage. Another red flag that I personally see a lot of is the quote-unquote next something. Too often, I'll see the next Amazon or the next Microsoft. And when you hear that, just turn around and run as far as you can because those will not live up to their expectations. Also, avoid companies that diversify too much, so companies that buy other businesses at high cost, which they don't necessarily understand. Lynch calls this process diversification, pun intended. And of course, avoid companies with no earnings or too few clients. The next step in your research process is to gather the facts. Take a little time to look at the company's financial statements. Again, you don't need much knowledge on financial statements or accounting, but there are a few key figures you want to look at when you're following Lynch's method, and it shouldn't take too long. The first things to look for on the balance sheets are the cash and the long-term debt. So what you want to do is subtract the long-term debt from the cash, and it's a great sign if there's a significant amount of cash net of long-term debt. The second thing to look for is the percentage of sale of a product. If you really enjoy a company's product, for example, you really like Diet Coke and you think this product has potential, then you would want to figure out 
what the product means to the company. So what percentage of sales does Diet Coke account for the Coca-Cola company? The next figure you want to look at is a price earnings ratio. A way to look at the PE is that it's the number of years it will take the company to earn back your initial investment, given, of course, that the earnings stay constant. And you don't want to look at the PE in a vacuum. You should, for example, compare it with the PE ratio of the company's competitors and the PE ratio of the industry. And the lower, the better. But a rule of thumb is that the PE should be close to the company's growth rate. The next thing to look for is the debt to equity. Debt is found under the liability section of the balance sheet and equity is found under shareholders equity. Typically, the debt to equity balance should be 75% equity and 25% debt. Also under debt, you want to see as little bank debt as possible because bank debt is due on call and that can really push a business into bankruptcy in difficult times. And if you're looking at a slow-growing company or a stalwart, dividend payments are also very important. We've looked at the balance sheet. Now, in the statement of cash flow, you want to see as little capital spending as possible. These are capital-light businesses, for example, software companies. They're efficient because they could turn in a profit without having to spend much. And the last piece of important information is found on the income statement. When you're analyzing a company, one of the most important questions to ask is what makes a company valuable today and why will it be more valuable tomorrow? And that's why we look at the growth rate. And what we mean by that is the growth in earnings of the business. A key figure to look at here is a profit margin. So your net revenues divided by your total sales. For example, there's no point in selling $20 million worth of product if after your expenses and taxes, you only have $1,000 left. I'm exaggerating here, but the net margin essentially measures how efficient your business is. And just to give you an idea of how important it is, an increase of 2% in net profit margin results in an increase of 20% in earnings. And finally, a quick note, a lot of people use future earnings to value a company. Because they are difficult to predict, what you can do instead is to learn how your business plans on increasing its earnings in the foreseeable future and simply follow up later to see if their plans are working. These are some of the most important elements to look for when you're gathering the facts. And finally, I want to go back to the six types of companies I've mentioned earlier, the slow growers, the stalwarts, the cyclicals, turnarounds, and asset companies. And I want to give you a few tips for what you want to be looking for in each category according to Lynch. Slow growers, dividends are very important because they serve as a safety cushion and these companies don't have much growth. Stalwarts, the price and the growth are equally important. Also, make sure that the company doesn't diversify, like I explained earlier. For fast growers, some of these are a lot riskier. So what you want to look for is solid financials, cash, debt, and profits. Cyclicals aren't usually recommended because they involve timing the market. If you buy in at the right time, it can be very rewarding. But if you buy at the wrong time, the business may not recover in years. For turnarounds, again, look for solid financials. Also, uh, is it getting rid of its unprofitable branches? For example, Bombardier left the commercial aviation business since they just weren't profitable enough. And finally, for asset companies, look for any hidden assets like real estate or properties. All that being done, you want to be able to summarize the story of your business and how your company plans on adding value. All that within two minutes. 
what it's doing right, its strength, its uh, competitive edge, or the opposite if it's not doing so well. And if you do buy the stock, you want to follow up with the companies at least every few months because everything is so dynamic, you can't afford to just buy a business and forget about it. You can also make a list of companies to monitor without necessarily buying. You can simply track their prices and their value over a given period of time. I like to end this episode with a few frequent mistakes made by the individual investor as outlined in One Up on Wall Street. You'll be able to spot them and fix them. The first advice is if you haven't bought a stock and its price goes up, don't try and play catch up and start buying afterwards because that usually results in real losses. You've also probably heard when the stock price hits $10 or X amount, I'll sell it. Always use your judgment. Don't use an arbitrary number to base your buying and your selling. And when prices are free falling, don't try catching a company at the bottom. It's like catching a falling knife. Instead, you can look at their balance sheets and wait for the company to prove itself. And the process can take up to a few years sometimes. And you've also probably heard eventually the price of the stock always comes back. And that's just not true. And of course, you might have heard, well, this stock only costs $1 per share. What can I lose? Well, unfortunately, you could lose up to everything. This was my in-depth summary of One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch. It's a short and easy-to-read book, but I think the lessons from it are priceless. And I'd like to finish with a quote from one of my favorite authors, Mark Twain. Mark Twain was a humorist, but he was also an entrepreneur, and he said, There are two times in a person's life where he should not speculate, when he cannot afford it, and when he can. Alright, thanks for listening. Please share if you found this useful. Please take care, stay safe, and I'll see you next episode.